Welcome back to Geeks Inherited the Earth. I'm so excited to present our very first wrestling spotlight, the fire sale. Uh, now, guys, we're big fans of pro wrestling here, except for JC, and we're going to be rotating in all sorts of special guests. Uh, it's going to be a great project. I'm excited to be a part of. Uh, I'm Mike D. Jamie Skull. And today we bring you our very special guest, Chris Eaton. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, unless you happen to be fat, disgusting, stupid, lazy, or worse yet, poor, you are listening professed middle-aged crazy man and professional wrestling expert nerd on the internet known as Chris Seaton. It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. It is a pleasure to be here. You may now applaud me for being in your presence. Yeah. Let's give our listeners a little quick background on each of us, uh, our history in wrestling while we live it. All right. Well, for the better part of my extended life, I have been a rabid devotee of the wonderful sport of professional wrestling. My first clear memory was Hulk Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3. Yeah, I am the guy that's been around every single dirt sheet, every single website, have been blessed to contact people in the business. I I love pro wrestling for everything it's been. It's American as apple pie to me. You know, we can thank Sputnik Monroe for helping break down the color barrier for sports in Memphis. So yeah, you want to you want somebody who knows wrestling, it's me. I love this stuff all day long, despite how bad it makes me look. I never really paid a lot of attention to wrestling um, as a kid, but my brothers were kind of into it. I remember them playing with the action figures. Specifically, I remember the Jake the Snake came with a little snake Ah, action figure. Um, But then when I was a little older in my like early to late teens, I got into the Royal Rumble video game on Super Nintendo, super into that video game. We had competitions and and we played it all the time. And so that's where I became familiar with most of the wrestlers that I was familiar with that I became familiar with through that game. And then I really didn't start watching wrestling until WrestleMania 30, the famous end of the streak for taker. And uh, I had no idea what was going on. (laughs) And, but um, we watched raw the next night and it was the debut of page. And it was the very, very beginning of the women's evolution. And um, I've been hooked ever since. Well, as far as myself, I've got a similar bridge with Mr. Seaton here. Uh, I have these Hogan-Andre memories myself. I grew up, my grandfather was watching NWA. You know, he didn't like the cartoony aspects of the WWF at the time. I did as a kid. Uh, my claim to fame, I actually met Andre the Giant here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, homeland is so much wrestling history. But, uh, you know, shook that giant hand, I snuck backstage. It was an exciting time. Uh, you know, much like many people, I watched the WWE off and on. Uh, recently, you know, I've loved NXT, huge fan of AEW, uh, just always been part of it. It's something's always been there for me. Now there's so much going on this week specifically to talk about. I mean, we're in a busy era right now leading up to SummerSlam crowds are back, but those aren't the developments we're going to specifically talk about. Uh, Chris, what's the first thing off the top of your head? So right now, the thing that's interesting to me is that we're experiencing a profound cultural shift in North American professional wrestling. For the past, I mean, for as long as I've been alive, okay, and that's 40 years for everybody that knows this, just to give you an idea, my first clear memory as a child was Hulk Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3. So it has been arguably easy to say for the last 40 years, the number one promotion in North America has been WWE. World Wrestling Entertainment or WWF. However, a recent spate of signings and releases have gone on that make me stand up and say that we might be seeing a shift in dominance right now. And the first signing that I want to talk about 
is AEW signing Daniel Bryan, who we all need to start calling Bryan Danielson right now because that's his Christian name, <laughs> and that's probably what he's going to be called going forward. The former American Dragon of Ring of Honor is right now set to make his debut on September 22nd at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. As far as I know, this is the first time that AEW's done a show in the New York market. It is the first time they've ever done a stadium show, so they need a big debut, and Daniel Bryan is set to be there. I like how they've non-leaked it. You know what I mean? Everyone knows it's coming. Everyone knows it's coming, but they've not officially confirmed it. It's just building this, this sort of intangible uh, excitement. I think, I think if anything, it's helping. Yeah, and I'll also say this. Don't be surprised, too, if by the time that Arthur Ashe Stadium show rolls around, Eddie Kingston's not got the TNT championship. Uh, I Right now, Miro's got it, and I think Miro could take it back. But with everything Eddie Kingston's done for that company, I think that they kind of owe him at least a token reign so he can get a good pop in his home state when they show up at Arthur Ashe. But the thing about Brian Danielson's contract that makes this so interesting is that is a true opening of the forbidden door for him. And we've heard that term used so much. What is the forbidden door? The forbidden door has basically become Shad Khan's <laughs> pocketbook. Tony Khan is the, uh, for people who don't know, Tony Khan is the president of AEW. He's the guy that's the money man, and Shad Khan is his father. So I think in this particular sense, Shad Khan has helped Tony set up a deal where not only will Brian Danielson be working a limited number of dates in AEW, he also now has the ability to work with AAA in Mexico or New Japan, given their you know friendly working arrangement right now, which is what Brian Danielson wants. He loves the act of wrestling. He just loves to wrestle anybody. And that is a problem that I see going forward with how they use him. But that's just me. Yeah, you know, he's got a lot of miles on him. So he's going to have to be smart the rest of his career. But being able to see him have this freedom at this stage in his career is awesome. Absolutely. I, I agree with you there. But let me just give you my own personal reason why I say I think Brian Danielson could be in a very severely bad situation. He is a nice guy. That's just it. He's one of the nicest guys in professional wrestling. Maybe the only nicer guy might be Mick Foley. But will that help him or will it hurt him is my concern. Look at what happened to Christian. Christian Cage shows up in AEW with the outwork everything. Looks like he's ready to start contending with Kenny Omega for the AEW championship. And now he's working in mid-card matches with Jungle Boy. And my biggest concern, I'm going to say it right now, is that we're going to end up seeing on AEW television Daniel Bryan play-kicking Orange Cassidy. And that just hurts him. He's a megastar. He will be over the moment that he shows up anywhere he needs to be treated like that. And he needs to be treated seriously. And I'm afraid that he's just going to give up way too much because he's a nice guy and it's going to blow it for him. Well... Yeah, I, you know, I could see that both ways. Uh, I guess I could imagine him doing the fake kicks with Orange would get would get a big pop, but that's that's a cheap pop, and that's an easy pop. So I definitely see what you're talking about there, and and the same could apply for CM Punk as well. Has he been? Has he always been this good with segues, Jamie? I, oh, I'm he's the really king familiar. of segues for to wrangle in four people. Uh, he's the king of segues. Okay, well, let's go ahead and talk about the punk in the room then, as it were. The other big signing, and this has basically been all but confirmed, is that CM Punk is headed to All Elite Wrestling. And 
I've been thinking about this for a while, and I'll make this statement. If there was ever a wrestler that had his DNA all over a promotion, it's CM Punk. He was there for the t-shirt signing in StarCast when they did All In. The All the EVPs have said nothing but nice things about him, and now we're seeing things leak out that basically confirm Punk has signed. I'll give you a couple of examples. First off, the social media aspect. CM Punk and Living Color have both mutually followed Tony Khan uh-huh. recently. So, clue number one. Clue number two has been that recently on Instagram, CM Punk posted a video of the Alan Parsons Project song, Serious. Does that song ring a bell to either of you? No. As old as I am, no. Serious was the song that the Chicago Bulls came out to with Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson. And this was the season that was known now to all of us in an ESPN documentary called The Last Dance. So now Uh as we're recording this, and do you mind if I give away that it's August 4th right now? Last week on last Wednesday on Dynamite, there was an announcement by Tony Khan that the August 20th show in Chicago, it's it's a Friday, it's going to be one of their first Rampage tapings. It's going to be at the United Center, the former home of the Bulls. I don't know if it still is or not, but I do remember clearly as a child, the United Center was the home of the Chicago Bulls back in the day. And this show on August 20th is going to be titled The First Dance. And the moment that was announced, the entire crowd started shouting CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk. And almost as soon as that happened, Officer Barbara, I mean, Alex Marvez, um, went to a backstage interview with Darby Allen and Sting talking about the first dance. And Darby Allen said something to the effect of, you know, I'll be in Chicago and it's really funny how AEW's become home to so many people. And here's the big one, including people who think they're the best in the world. And as we all know, CM Punk has routinely called himself the best in the world. He's been, he's had the best in the world put on all of his t-shirts practically for ages. And then the other one that I thought was great is if you go back to the end of the main event of last week's Dynamite, MJF gets on the mic and says some of the effect of Chris, while you're laying there as uncomfortably as you possibly can. And that's a throwback to the pipe bomb, baby. (laughs) Like that is right, all right. but guaranteeing that we're going to see CM Punk in Chicago on August 20th. And this is the more interesting signing to me because what are you going to do with CM Punk now that he's been gone for a couple of years? Now, Punk has said personally, he does not want to be the guy that comes back and does bad television. And if he shows up in Chicago on August 20th, like I've been basically confirmed he's going to be, the roof is going to be gone from the United Center. He will be a babyface over immediately. But if you think about it, Punk could become a mega heel in five minutes. Oh, he could make every single person in that arena hate him if he plays his card. Exactly. Out. And all it would take would for him to be saying certain things that AEW fans don't like. Let's just say, for an example, he comes out to the crowd. He soaks in the CM Punk chance for a minute does his little Chicago, my home, sweet home bit. And then he just says, look, here's the deal, guys. I'm only here because a money mark has offered me an insane amount of money to be here. 
I hate everyone in that locker room. They are all beneath me. I am the best wrestler in the world. No one here can touch me. He could even look at Excalibur. Look at this commentary booth. You have two guys that haven't been relevant in 30 years and a guy in a sock for a mask. All you'd have to do is have him say something like that or even be it. say, get this. Hey, here's some news for you. The Young Bucks aren't the best tag team in the world. And he's booed out of the building. The punk thing, like, what I honestly would say is that the smart thing for Tony Khan to do is to basically go up to Punk and say, Dear Mr. Brooks, what would you like to do? Because we know he's being paid at least seven figures to be there at this point. There's no reason Punk would do it otherwise. So I think you let Punk do whatever he wants. And if it's being a heel, great. If it's being a face, great. We happen to know from talks from a certain wrestling personality whose name rhymes with Bim Hornet that Tony Khan was told in the initial stages of starting AEW, if I were you, I'd break the bank to get CM Punk and then build the promotion around him. So they could be doing that. Who knows at this point? Like, this is the exciting part because we know they're coming. It's just when this cult of personality hit and how loud does that reaction get? Let me ask you this off the top of your head. Brian Danielson, CM Punk, both coming in. Who do you think is going to be over with the audience the most? Either heel or face, it doesn't matter. Who do you think is going to get the biggest I'm going to say Because how can we miss you if you haven't been gone, right? And we haven't heard anything about CM Punk doing anything in a wrestling ring in a long time. And he's actively said he didn't want to go back to WWE because he doesn't want to make bad television. So... I think just based on the fact that fans haven't seen CM Punk in years now, literally in a ring, the moment that Cult of Personality hits, it's going to be a bigger pop than Danielson. And that's not knocking Brian Danielson. I just think that it's a question of people have seen Brian Danielson now on WWE TV, and we haven't seen Punk in a long time. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just missed ever seeing CM Punk as he he was done right before WrestleMania, WrestleMania 30. I'm not sure exactly how, how close to that he was done, but um, I never, I, you know, I've heard so much about him and the fans clearly are huge fans of him, but I, I've never, I've never seen him wrestle. So I love how uh, WWE raw was in Chicago this past week. And it wasn't even before the first segment was over that they were chanting CM Punk. Yeah, and that's, the, the, and see, that's the thing of why Chicago is such an odd market because the man's name is literally Chicago made punk. That's what's in court documents mm. as to what the CM means. So like when he shows up in Chicago, it's going to be CM Punk chance. We know from WWE's history, every time they do something stupid in Chicago, CM Punk chance starts. So he's sort of the voice of the voiceless, as he calls himself, that hasn't been around in a while. And it'll be nice to see him come back and look at the amount of stuff you can do with him. The moment you get him punk versus Christian money match, punk versus Omega money match, punk versus Cody money match, punk versus either of the bucks money match. You can do so much with either Punk or Danielson at this point and create some really memorable moments that things just seem like they are looking so much better for AEW now than they were six months ago. You know, I think they were holding back till crowds came back. But on that note with Punk, I I could see a Darby Allen feud going over hot. You know, that's actually been something that's been floated recently, and I wouldn't be surprised if... Punk wants to work with Allen since the two are both straight edge. The two both share similar like life right. philosophies. And I think Punk would be a guy who would be willing to take a guy like Darby Allen under his wing and say, look, this is how we can get you to the next level. 
Oh, wow. That's a really great point. That's a, that's a, a good idea. Now, there have been many, many future endeavorings uh, as of late. The next two we're going to talk about, Jamie's going to be a little more familiar with. I think the one that was most shocking to me was uh, Mr. Wyndham Rotunda, otherwise known as Bray Wyatt. I, I think a lot of people had their mouths agape, shall we say, at that future endeavoring. Yeah, and you're not the only people. Uh, Bray Wyatt being released was incredibly shocking. Uh, the last time we saw the Eater of Worlds, the Fiend, the Demented Swamp Cultist, Hillbilly, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call him, Bray Wyatt's last appearance was at WrestleMania, where he lost after a distraction to Randy Orton and was pinned clean. Now, we know that he's taken some time off to deal with what he sees as a terrible loss, and I agree. He took the loss of Mr. Brody Lee this last year recently very hard and apparently requested some time off. But from everything I've read recently, he was set to come back in September. He'd already been medically cleared to go back to competition two days before his release. Some pictures of him floating around from that time. He looked like he'd put the time in the gym. Yeah, he's jacked at this point. But for him to go, it scratched a lot of heads. Even Mick Foley went to Instagram and said that with the release of Bray Wyatt, WWE has lost one of its most innovative Mm -hmm. purveyors of violence. And that from a guy who did the Hell in a Cell match that's legendary. Jamie, I hope you've seen it by now. Um, With him and The Undertaker, that's saying a lot from a guy like Cactus Jack. But... Bray Wyatt is interesting, too, because that was labeled by WWE President Nick Khan as a budget cut. Now, I don't buy that for a minute because Bray Wyatt was one of the top merchandise sales in WWE. I have a theme shirt. I don't, but I have been informed there are people who paid the thousand bucks for the custom theme championship. Oh, wow. And the themed masks were huge. And I know that before the pandemic, the sales, the Firefly Spunhouse dolls were huge. So that's all out there now that's gone for WWE. And that isn't the only one that I think makes. I told you, Mike D, before we've had discussions about this off air, that it would take a third signing by AEW to make this a real shift. And Bray Wyatt would be one of them if they could do that. I just don't see it being the one that makes the shift. I think that the guy that's going to make the shift is Ric Flair. Woo! Ooh. Yeah, I mean, how could he not be AEW inbound at this point? Like uh, like you said in some of our conversations, that is a Four Horsemen reunion just waiting to happen. You want to talk about ratings. Wow. Yeah, and so some of the recent information that's come out as of, and this is from Ric Flair's own mouth. Okay, so we have this is a credible source. He claims to have no animosity with WWE. He says this was strictly about licensing deals, not booking. He's not concerned about Charlotte. It's that for a while now, WWE's had in place a policy that talent that's signed to the company can't do third party endorsement deals. This is what happened with Zelina Vega and Twitch a while back. Right. And if you turn on your TV right now, you cannot see a commercial with Ric Flair not being in it. He's done everything from sleazy auto insurance companies to car loans. So, yep, yep. And he said that the biggest reason for him leaving the WWE was that he wants to pursue his other business ventures outside of that. But yes, Mike D, you are right. Tony Khan is a WCW mark. There is no reason he is not running right now to daddy and saying, give me more money so I can get a horseman reunion in Jacksonville. 
Well, and I think that that he's really earned some cred with his dad. I do know from early reports, uh, Shad was a little lukewarm, maybe on launching this endeavor. But Tony, Tony really pitched it, and it was a you know really a passionate project for him. And COVID notwithstanding, it's turned out to be a success. So hopefully, he can continue that. Process. Well, there is that. Yeah. And I think if we're going to talk about the response that both companies had, it also marks a decided understanding as to what crowds want versus what they don't. So take a look at what happened with AEW since we've gone there in Jacksonville. When COVID hit, they restricted access to everybody. They ramped up testing. They basically said, we're going to do live crowds. We're just not going to show the crowd and it's going to be all the people we hire. Like crowd noise in the on the other, and that actually worked. It kind of gave it sort of an underground fight club feel. Yeah. Whereas if you look at the WWE and the Thunderdome, which Ugh. I was a part of, it was one of the most unsatisfying experiences to be a fan in the Thunderdome. It was, as Jim Cornette would say, flatter than a plate full of piss every time. And I, I just I was not a fan of it. So I think they handled the pandemic response better. And I'll tell you right now that there is something that we do need to discuss as far as attitudes are concerned, and that is the networks that WWE is dealing with right now are freaking out over all of this. Absolutely. You know, and that's on top of really WWE kind of handicapping USA by running over to Fox with SmackDown. I mean, clearly SmackDown is the A show now. Uh, Ross has been the B, if not C show for the longest time now. And uh, on top of that, now they're bleeding talent over to their competitor. Yeah, things are afoot. Yeah, so like I want to bring that up. You mentioned about SmackDown becoming the A show. I hate Roman Reigns. Okay, I've never liked the guy. But even I cannot deny that Roman Reigns is on fire right now. He's doing some of the best work of his career as the head of the table, the bloodline, with Paul Heyman as his special counsel. And, you know, he's really carrying smackdown right now exactly like i hated roman reigns from the day i started well i guess he was in the shield when i first started watching it so i liked the shield but they broke up very shortly after that and i've hated him since day one because he just kept being the shield but by himself and i was like take off the vest give him a new song like he's got potential and they just kept not doing it so it made me so mad constantly because they were constantly trying to push him over and he wasn't it was not happening and i think this they finally did it they took off the vest they gave him a, a whole new thing and i think it was the perfect thing to do for roman reigns and he's he's doing great now and actually i i like him now i like him as a as a heel as where he is at right now and jamie do you know why you're liking him I, I'm just going to throw my own opinion out here. It's not, I don't want to judge your opinion. I think the reason so many are liking him right now is because this is what Joe NOI wanted to be. He said that. He said that this head of the table gimmick was something he came up with with Paul Heyman about, well, what if you had a pro wrestler that was kind of like a mafia hitman? Yeah. And had one guy in his corner just basically ensuring all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed so it's legal. And that's what he wants to be. He's turned himself up to 11 with it, and everybody loves it. I mean, when I hear that head of the table music now, my, I get chills. Mm -hmm. just because I know that the, the head is coming. The whole storyline is uh, just very entertaining. It's mm -hmm. fun to watch uh, the Usos back and forth with each other and with Roman Reigns. And I mean, it seems like it would be, it could easily be uh, annoying and hokey and soap opera-y, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not. They've, they've done a really good job with it. And I love Paul Heyman being in his corner. And I just want to go ahead and say this while we're talking about Paul Heyman. 
because I think Paul Heyman is great. But I hate Brock Lesnar with the <laughs> biggest passion of my life. And I hated Paul ha- Paul Heyman when he was with Brock Lesnar because of how much I hated Brock Lesnar. But it's great to see him utilizing his talent in a way that actually uh, sh- it, sh- it shines. So nice. Yeah, and I don't want to make you sick, Jamie, but let's point one thing out here. Brock Lesnar is a free agent right now. He has I hate him. He has no ties to WWE or anybody else. So if Shad Khan wanted to break that bank open a little bit and give out some more inheritance, there's no reason they couldn't sign Brock Lesnar for a couple of attraction dates. I know, but I'd be I'd be so mad if that happens. He just needs to stay on his stupid farm with his stupid <laughs> wife and do his stupid whatever, lifting tree logs and shit, whatever. Well, y'all put me on here, so I'm going to drop who I think that third guy is now that's going to shift the tide. And I have I've not mentioned this, I think, yet, but right now, for all intents and purposes, Adam Cole, baby's mm. uh, contract is set to expire. This is a major faux pas. I mean, no one saw Flair coming. No one saw Wyatt coming. But apparently, Cole is 100% office fuck up. Like, no, apparently, no one knew that his contract had expired. They're oh, like, wow. oh, he's good to, to September, October. But he's like, no, that actually was like July. I just extended it. And apparently, just no one knew. That's weird. And Adam Cole is very talented. I really like Adam Cole a lot. But I think that they've let him flounder since they broke up the Undisputed yeah, Era, which bit. is, I don't understand why they broke them up. But it's he's kind of floundered since then but i think he's super talented he could super easily go over in AEW. Oh, so big so big yeah and he's got the i mean he's got the chops there but here's the thing with adam cole and i understand where he's coming from with this right now what we know is that he has rejected multiple offers from the wwe to resign like he is he said everything they've brought at him he said no i'm done and there could be a number of reasons for that, one of which might be that the current NXT champion, Karrion Cross, has been made to look like a second-rate job guy on Raw. Uh, the, the excuse is long-term storytelling. Whatever, get that out of here. He was he was so hot. It was it was perfect. Everything with Scarlet, and then they just abandoned all that. Well, not to get off on a tangent, but the whole idea, from what I'm understanding from creative, was that he was going to take a couple of losses on Raw, then Scarlet was going to show up and give him his confidence back or whatever. Yeah, unleash the inner warrior. But you have to see this from a talent perspective. Adam Cole has spent a mm-hmm. good chunk of his career in WWE building up NXT. And for him to see the NXT champion, somebody that he put over for that spot, get treated like a job guy, it would have to make him wonder where things are going. And one thing that has been really telling as of late is that his uh, girl, um, a certain dentist in AEW, has has been making waves recently about Mm. how she just needs somebody to watch her and Reba's back. Superstar, by the way, DMD. I I love Brit, uh, Doctor Britt Baker. So um, I, I love I have loved seeing her journey. Yeah, she's she's incredible. But just think about it. If it turns, what if it hap- what happens if it turns out that it's not another girl coming in? <laughs> sure. What if it's Adam Cole coming in because he's sick of his woman being disrespected or something like that? And shows up and just super kicks somebody for the sake of it. Like, let's say you get into a situation where it's, you know, Nyla Rose terrorizing Britt Baker, right? And Adam Cole shows up and super kicks Nyla Rose in the jaw. (laughs) He is completely anathema. He's an apostate to the AEW crowd at that point. And then all he has to do is just look at her, lean down in where they can get a good enough mic shot and go, that's what happens when you mess with my woman, baby. And 
he's and he's a heel immediately. And just think about it again. We were talking about the plug and play nature of this, right? You could do Adam Cole versus Cody. It's going to be a hit. Adam Cole versus Kenny Omega. It's going to be a hit. Adam Cole versus anybody on that roster is a mm-hmm. classic. Yeah, point. definitely. Maybe save for Marco Stunt. But that's kind of where that is. And I, I really think that this is, and this is the problem, like the network people at, you know, Fox and at USA and at NBC universal, they are running scared right now with WWE. They're asking, why did we lose Bray Wyatt? Why did we lose CM Punk? Why did we lose Brian Danielson? What is going on in your company? And this is where I think we get to see where Vince McMahon's head is at. Because recently in a WWE investors call, he was asked about AEW's investment in talent. And his response was, we don't consider AEW any kind of competition. Now, Wrong. The same- <laughs> but just hear me out. So within the next question, that same investor said, well, they're putting a lot of emphasis on their talent. Do you think you need to be investing in talent? And Vince's response was, well, maybe we can help them with that. Yeah, maybe we can give them some more. Uh, Oh, shit. So that was what the day before, a couple of days before Wyatt, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. But see, this is where I think people are getting things wrong, guys. I don't think that Vince McMahon was being dismissive of all elite wrestling as competition. I just don't think he cares. I really think that with Nick Khan's moves that he's made from all these releases going forward, he is doing his best to put WWE in a position where their bottom line looks as attractive as possible. And this is something I've been thinking about for a while, but I'm going to pose my thesis to you right now. Vince McMahon wants to sell WWE. I think he's that old. I think he's that out of touch. I think he doesn't understand what fans want right now. And he is under immense pressure, if not from Triple H and Stephanie and Shane, from his shareholders to make this a sale. And once he sold it, he wants to retire, get away from the business, and live out the rest of his days. That's fine, but let's call it what it is. I think we are dealing with a fire sale in WWE right now. They are trying to make this as attractive as possible to somebody to sell to, and that's where it's going to go from there. And God help WWE for it. They're going to ruin the company in the process, but, you know, so much the better for the little guys. Hmm. It'll be really interesting to see if the company does sell. Uh, You know, the business has just been in a weird state for the longest time. WWE going public just changed so much about the core of the business. And now with without McMahon there, I mean, what what would it become? I mean, would we be looking at complete and total just Disney fair where none? Well, I mean, f- from what we read, most of the writers don't even watch wrestling as it is. They're Nickelodeon writers or MTV writers. So who knows what I mean, would happen? Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but you make a good point there. There was the recent story of the stand-up comedian whose name shall never uh, be omitted, omitted from my lips who went on a podcast, said she had gotten a writing job for Monday Night Raw, said on air that the champion's name was Bobby Leslie, and laughed about it and was only fired after that podcast episode made air. Yeah, she was very uh, very dismissive about the whole business. She was like, I don't know anything about this wrestling. But No, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit. I'm being a little bit out there. No, I, I just, I don't like the moves that they're making. I understand why WWE is doing it at a corporate level because they're angling toward that sale, hmm. but be honest with people about it. Don't try to hide the ball. If Vince doesn't care anymore, just let everybody know he doesn't care. Jeez, this is not that hard to deal with. What What is really getting down to it, and this is where I think we're seeing 
the booking philosophies differ is that we have known for years now that WWE books to an audience of one, right? Yep. We've heard it said time and time again, they're booking to an audience of one and that one is Vince McMahon. Well, if Vince McMahon checks out, there's no reason to book to him anymore. So that means we're looking to sell for the company. Meanwhile, for all the faults that AEW has, they're actually trying to please the fans. Oh yeah. And that is a big game changer when they go to that. Even if the fans may not necessarily have the best taste, you can't deny they're trying to make the fans happy. No, you know, the opposite of that is WWE, where you got Pritchard, you got McMahon, they resent the fans. They, they almost take joy in pissing the fans off, it seems. Yeah. And not, not in a good way. Not, good, yeah, not in a good way. <laughs> no, but like, you, you, and to contrast that, like, we got, I would have never told you. When they when this company first started, that I would enjoy the Dark Order. <laughs> it started out a little rough. <laughs> but they went from being these know nothing job guys to these lovable baby faces that just want to be everybody's friends. And then again, I'm going back to last week's Dynamite. It, today is Wednesday, August fourth. Go back and watch the intro for the ten man tag with Hangman Adam Page and the Dark Order and tell me you just don't get chills watching that mm-hmm. because it, is, it was probably the first time I've ever seen Adam Page and the Dark Order presented like people you should pay attention to. Mm. And I'm I'm still shocked they had, that that happened and Adam Page didn't win that. I'm thinking something's going to happen soon there um, to where Page does get the title shot at All Out because, I mean, that's just the logical thing. But... We have a friend of the show, Barry Allen, right? Who is the booker for Ego Pro Wrestling, who has said that with everything that's going on right now, the next 90 days in wrestling are going to be looking like somebody on Coke booked the Attitude Era. (laughs) So I can't wait to see what's happening. But there is one other promotion before I go, I want to at least make mention to you guys of. If nobody's seen it, y'all need to check this group out right now. And it's Major League Wrestling. Have you guys heard of MLW? I have. In passing, I've not checked it out. So MLW is doing everything right right now, in my opinion. They have a one-hour show weekly on YouTube that people can catch called MLW Fusion. They just signed a deal recently with Vice TV to bring Fusion to air. Oh, wow. But they do such a good job in one hour of bringing together storylines and putting together content that people need. We're living in an era where AEW is two hours, Raw is three hours, SmackDown's two, right? It's nice and refreshing to see a wrestling promotion do a one hour show. And it means something. And this is the promotion that's given us MJF. This is the promotion that's giving us Alexander Hammerstone, the open weight champion who is basically on a Hulk Hogan-esque tear like we haven't seen. Uh, their heavyweight champion right now is a guy named Jacob Fatu. They call him the Samoan Werewolf. Oh. And if you haven't seen him wrestle, this is a 350-pound man that can do things cruiserweights can. And that's saying something. Yeah. Um, you also get in MLW guys like Simon Gotch, who used to be part of the Vaude Villains before he now went to MLW and is part of this terrorist faction called Contra. Ooh. And uh, But the biggest thing, and this is my personal love letter to MLW, is that they've hired Luis Fernandez Gill to be their matchmaker. Now, the name Luis Fernandez Gill is not going to be familiar to a lot of pro wrestling fans. In fact, it won't be unless you've heard of a little TV show that ended a few years ago on El Rey called Lucha Underground. 
Luis Fernandez Gill was a Spanish telenovela actor who was hired to play the heel authority figure Dario Cueto on Lucha Underground. And this telenovela actor took to the role so well that, and I want everybody listening to this to go back and find the second Aztec warfare match for Lucha Underground. It's probably on YouTube. But when Dario Cueto makes his appearance in that second Aztec warfare match, the building explodes. And this is for a heel authority figure. People are just chanting, hey, fey, hey, fey, hey, fey, hey, fey. And this guy who was such a skeezy heel was so loved by the time Lucha Underground ended, it became almost like it's criminal if he doesn't get a job back in the pro wrestling business because he's so good. And for months now, MLW has been teasing that this guy named El Jefe, who runs a promotion in Mexico called, get this, Azteca Underground, Uh, (laughs) uh, was going to be showing back up. And the most recent fusion was MLW's third battle riot. And if you've never seen the Battle Riot, it is a 30-man battle royal. Uh, Starts with two people like the Royal Rumble, right? Somebody enters another 60 seconds. Um, Pinfall, submission, are all valid. So is throwing people over the top rope for an elimination. And anything anything goes. Weapons are perfectly legal. Oh, wow. Oh, that's... and, And the winner of the Battle Riot gets a title shot anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And the latest MLW Battle Riot was Luis Fernandez Gil. He's going by the name Cesar Duran now. It was Cesar Duran's first ever show back in front of a live crowd as an authority figure for a pro wrestling promotion. And you could just tell this man has taken it back like a duck to water. I mean, the first time he gets back out there, he's in he's in the ECW arena of all places, right? Uh. And he whips the crowd up into a frenzy by saying, I thought this could be my new temple for Lucha Libre, but I can't hear you. Oh, nice. I thought you people loved violence, and yet you're not cheering loud enough. Show me your love of violence. And they just go nuts for it. Wow. So please, everybody, keep an eye on MLW going forward. If there is any promotion I could say is doing everything right right now, it's them. Okay, well, since we're wrapping up time real quick and I'm getting the Iggy for my kids at this point, um, the things that I would check out if you want to see like serious battle royales with weapons involved, go back and check out every Aztec warfare that Lucha Underground's ever done. Because those were very well staged. They were all battle royals. Um, the only difference with the Aztec warfare was it was only pinfall or submission and anything goes because that was Dario Cueto's favorite thing. But the battle riots are also good and they also kind of inhabit a different area with over the top rope aspect. I love the over the top Mm -hmm. aspect. And the number of guys that are in it, you're going to see more people because of the nature of the battle riot try for submissions in the beginning because submissions and pinfalls still count, right? So why not try to tap a guy real quick and hook him while he's there? It's just, it adds a different layer of strategy to the Battle Royal format that I hadn't seen in a long time, so I thought it was worth mentioning. Cool. Well, uh, let's see here. Any last uh, thoughts as we wrap things up here? Uh, Yeah, let's keep our eyes peeled for 90 days because uh, this is going to be... um, I, I don't want to ape Tony Schiavone right now, but I think this is the most exciting time in the history of professional wrestling. Ooh, I really It's very exciting. And, and I think that um, going forward, 
the WWE needs to tread very carefully and reconsider their position on who constitute a threat and what constitutes a threat for their own well-being. Because I think they're sleeping on AEW and MLW at their peril. And I think that there's enough animosity against WWE to where we're going to see some very special stuff happening very soon between not just AEW, but also AAA, Impact Wrestling, and New Japan. And that is the death scenario for WWE. When those promotions gang up against the big guy, you got nothing. Wow. Well, that was very succinct. I think you said you summed it up really well. Um, I'm I'm very excited about what's happening right now. It feels electric. Like I feel like that um, it's interesting to see where things are going to lead us in, in the coming couple of months. I agree. Uh, you know, modern wrestling fans, I think, Walk Two Worlds, of course, we love the entering action, but behind the scenes reports, things of that nature, also part of the fire. And that's really what's stoking right now. And there's definitely wheels turning. And it, like you both said, it does feel very electric and exciting. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this all unfolds. Uh, I'm going I'm to be glued to the television. Well, and I have to say also that uh, uh, having the live audiences back oh, is oh, a God. huge part of that because all those people that are back are, are, are the hardcore fans like us. Like it's mm. like before when, before the pandemic, when we would watch raw or SmackDown or go to the live shows of those two shows, there were so many people in the audience who just didn't seem to know what the hell was going on. Or, <laughs> or, and you were like, why are these people even here? And now it's not like that. Like seeing the crowds on TV of raw and SmackDown, they are all, every single person in that crowd. It's like, Thank God this is back. Like, I'm, I'm so glad to be here. So it, that's electric, too. And it's contributing to that excitement. Yeah, and I'll agree with you on that, Jamie. And I'll leave you guys with this. And I think this is where we're going to see the real barometer of what happens. Is that for now, we've had two companies working in a bubble for so long now. They had that crowd back. And what's going yeah. to be the indicator of who wins this war in the end and whether or not they want to admit it, these two companies are at war. So... I mm-hmm. think the barometer is going to be who reacts the best with the fans, who's going to get over with the fans. This ain't rocket science. We've known this for a long time. <laughs> We're just going to see, I think, in closing now, um, what works and what doesn't. And the fans are going to be the biggest arbiter of that. Once they, they sure are. Over everything and being like, oh, God, it's so great back. They're going to be very vocal about what they like and what they don't like. And it's going to make people take notice. Yep. Well, we're unanimous on that. And this brings us to a close for our very first Geeks Inherited to the Earth Wrestling wrap-up. And in the immortal words of my favorite sage and prophet, Bob Ross, until next time, happy wrestling, and God bless, my friends. <laughs> that was our guest, Mr. Chris Seaton. I'm Mike D. Jamie Skull. And business is picking up. 